0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them with me, please, to the book of John chapter 19 quickly. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell stories this morning, three quick stories, and I'm going to preach a message that I preached many, many times. Almost 20 years ago, uh, uh, the first time I preached this message, and I pray that it speaks to your heart. I was, I've got a new message that I wanted to preach. I might do it in the next service, but I really felt this was the one for this service, and I want God to speak to you. In John chapter 19, one of the most touching, tender Stories of the Bible John nineteen, and we'll begin reading with verse twenty five Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clophis, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold' Your mother. And from that hour, that disciple, speaking of John, took her to his own home. What a scene John 19 gives us. Jesus hanging on the cross for the sins of the world, for you, for me. And there on the cross, he spoke those tender words as his eyes survey the crowd. Blood, bloody and beaten and hanging on that cross. He sees his mother standing there. And the words that he spoke. Speak to us today about a principle you must obey if you are going to know the will of God for your life. There is a principle in this story that will never change I love Bible principles. I love to preach Bible. It's core stuff. It's a law, I guess you could say, in the word of God that is fixed. That if you are going to know the high calling, the perfect will of God, you will have to fulfill the principle that Jesus spoke in these these tender moments. When I think about the impact that my own mother, who is still alive at 86... And I love you, Mom, and thanks for everything. But, um, but when, I, when, I, when I think of the impact that my mother had on my life and my four siblings, honestly, there's no question that I would not be here if it were not for my amazing, amazing mother. But I remember when there came a moment where I matured beyond my mother's prayer life and beyond her study of the word and her love for jesus and it began to happen in my own life and i felt this sense and i accepted the call i knew god had called me but i was terrified and i also knew that he would anoint me but when you have a calling and anointing that doesn't mean that the flesh dies I was a single young man and I was tormented with the fact that how in the world can I get up and preach to others when I wrestle and I struggle with the flesh? The flesh is giving me fits all the time. And it is you, too, if you're human. The price the enemy would whisper through the flesh is too great. You can't do it. That's the flesh. You're not capable enough you're not gifted enough you're not smart enough and then there's the other cries of the flesh the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the story of Jesus and Mary his mother and Jesus in so many words as he was hanging on the cross said mama go home go home and let me do the will of God it's God's will for me to hang on this cross It's God's will for me to suffer this season. It won't be this way always, but this is God's will for me to have a cross that I'm nailed to. And mama, as long as the flesh, the origin, the producer of my physical body, you see, God was inside that flesh body, but the flesh was 100% humanly produced by his mother, Mary. And so what Jesus was really saying, hanging on that cross, he looked down and saw the origin of his flesh, his mother. The producer of his physical body solely was his mother, Mary. Joseph had nothing to do with it. She was a virgin that became pregnant by the moving of the Holy Spirit. The one who gave him his flesh was standing at the cross and there was a war taking place between the flesh and she's weeping and she's moaning and she's lamenting and she's looking at her son like any mother in this room would. If you saw your son being tortured to death, your child being tortured to death and she's grieving and she's crying and she's probably saying, come off of that cross. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And at some point in so many words, she looked at He looked at her and he said, John, take her away. I cannot do the will of God as long as my flesh, my flesh producer is standing there. Mama, go home and let me do the will of God. It's what the Apostle Paul talked about when he said there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. The Apostle Paul saw Jesus and talked with him on the road to Damascus. The Apostle Paul had angelic visitations. The Apostle Paul was so spiritual that he was taken on a personal tour through the New Jerusalem and came back to earth and told us all about heaven. And yet he still battled with his flesh to do the will of God. He said, when I would do good, evil is present. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of flesh? Paul said, I've seen and talked with Jesus in his resurrected body. I've had angelic visitations. I've been taken to heaven and walked streets of gold. And I still come back down to earth and the things that I ought to do, I don't do. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, I still do. And there's this war going on between the flesh and the spirit. Jesus talked about it in the garden of Gethsemane when he said these words, the spirit is willing, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And what he was saying was the spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak as the actual words Jesus used. Even then, he recognized there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And there is a battle going on three times in the scripture. Interestingly, there were three mothers who were told to go home representing the flesh so that the child could do the will of God. The first one, of course, was Jesus. Let me take you back for just a moment. They dragged him from court to court, falsely accusing him. He was weakened from lack of sleep and loss of blood. They bruised his face with their fists. They slapped him. They plucked his beard. They mocked him. They spit upon him. They beat him with the steel whip uh, of cat of nine tails, leather uh, strips with steel and bones and sharp rocks and till his back was ripped and shredded into pieces. Finally, they saddled him with a, Old rugged cross the splinters tore into his flesh they nailed him on that on that cross with rusty spikes through his hands and through his feet and then they raised the cross and when the thud of that cross dropped into the hole his body quivered with pain his body quivered in shock and in and in, in suffering for you and for me look through the eyes of Jesus See the vantage point from the cross. He saw there in the crowd his mother. He saw his precious mother, his bruised eyes blackened and bloodshot, focused on his mother. And with blood caked lips, he speaks Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. In that moment, he was fulfilling one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and your father. In other words, what Jesus was saying when he said, John, take my mother home and take care of her. He was saying, Mama, go home and let me do the will of God. I know you don't want me to do this because you're my flesh. You represent the flesh part of me. My flesh can't stand To see me do this, but I must do this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is God's will for me to suffer, mother. This is God's will for me to bear this cross. And mother, I know you want me to come off of this cross. That would be the easy way. But mama, go home and let me do the will of God. At some point in your experience and your walk with God, every one of you are going to have to face a moment like Jesus did on the cross. In order to fulfill the plan of God, the high calling, the ultimate purpose of God, there will be issues with the flesh and there will be an easier route you could take. There will be the opportunity to say it doesn't take this much sacrifice. The flesh will always say, you don't have to do it. You don't have to pay the price. You don't have to give me up. You don't have to let go of me but Jesus was teaching us that the flesh and the spirit are in war with one another and we are to walk in the spirit and live in the spirit and not allow our flesh to dominate our lives all the time especially when it comes to doing the will of God you don't have to go that far in consecration to God you don't really have to live a pure and clean life no sometimes you do as a matter of fact all the time you do you have to look at the flesh at times and say mama go home and let me do the will of God there comes moments when you have to say young people mama go home And let me do, if my father doesn't serve him, if my mother doesn't serve him, if my family thinks I'm crazy, if all of my relatives think I'm crazy, mama, go home and let me do the will of God because I've got to love him more than father, mother, sister, brother, even my own children. His allegiance is most important. Say, Amen, somebody that's Christianity. That's what Christianity is. I see in my mind, a second mother. I see an old goatskin tent flapping in the wind. Inside is an aged man. At one time in his prime, he had a barrel chest. He was strong and powerful and tall and handsome and just absolutely a massive man. But now he's old and withered. He's hundred, over a hundred years old, actually. He's packing a bag and Sarah, his wife, is packing a little bag for their little boy named Isaac. Outside, little Isaac is so happy. He's hitching up the mule to the wagon. He's running around. He's so excited. He's never got to go to sacrifice with father before. It's the first time he's so excited. It's a father son camping trip that will take three days and he's out of his mind excited. Dad said that daddy said I could, I could drive the mules. Mama daddy said I could drive. He's going to let me hold the reins. He's going to let me lead the wagon down the dusty road. I'm so excited. We're going to camp out. We're going to camp out. I'm going to sacrifice with dad. We're going to offer God. A sacrifice together. I can see old Abraham as he's packing his bag. He's quiet. Something's troubling. Something's wrong. Something's on his mind. His wife Sarah's lived with him for close to 100 years or more. Actually, I mean, he was probably over 100. We know that according to the scripture. She knows him by now. She knows when something's bothering him. She can read him. What's wrong, Abraham? What's the matter? He fakes a smile. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I just got a lot of stuff on my mind. You, you worry too much, honey. She puts her arms around those old arms, around that old man, and she reaches up and kisses him on his old leathered face and says, It's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be fine. I love you, Abram. It's gonna be okay. Whatever you're going through, we know, honey, God's faithful. He looks at her sternly and says, you know, I have to do the will of God. Oh, I, I, I know you do, Abraham. You've always done the will of God. I love your faith. I love how whatever God tells you to do, you will do it. I love that about you, honey. I love it. You know, there was a time when I laughed at your faith, but I don't laugh anymore because there's a boy out there running around. I got pregnant when I was 99 years old by you. I believe in your faith, Abraham. Do what God's told you to do, Abraham. He walks outside. He never tells her that it's God's will for him to take that boy up to Mount Moriah and lay him on an altar and raise a knife and God told him to sacrifice him and burn his body up after he dismembers him he walks outside I can see him sadly climbing into that wagon the little boy so excited ready daddy can we can we go now can we go now can I hold the reins yes go and he whips that the reins on Come on, y'all know what I'm saying? I'm into this, whether you are or not. I can see him. I can see him. That little boy is glary eyed. And here they go on a father son camping trip. Slaps the old mule. The wagon goes further and further down the road. And we don't know how long Sarah probably followed and was waving and smiling until almost the wagon was out of view and when she looks she notices the cover on the back of the wagon is up and and she sees the altar for the sacrifice and she sees about a 3 foot sharp knife sticking out of the back of that wagon and she sees the wood for the burning of the sacrifice but it dawns on her in that moment somewhere on that dusty road as she's watching the wagon fade away where's his sacrifice Suddenly, in my mind, I could hear her scream. Oh, my God. No, Abraham, not our Isaac. No, Abraham, as she shrieks in terror. She starts running down that road, trying to get the attention of Abraham. And Abraham hears her and tells Isaac, hit the mule again. Go faster, son. Go faster, For God's sake, she screams, don't do it, Abraham. Don't kill our son. Don't offer him to God. We don't know how far she followed until she collapsed in the sand, weeping, sobbing, lamenting, crying. And in my mind, I could see Abraham turn. and Say back to her in a whisper, Mama, go home and let me do the will of God. This is the will of God for our child. You know, something just hit me when I said that. Because we want to protect our children, shield our children. We don't want them to go through anything. We don't want them to struggle for anything. We don't want them to hurt over anything. We don't want them to have to go through. We proudly proclaim, my children will never lack like I lacked. They'll never go through the stuff I went through. They'll never face anything like I had to deal with. And we mean good as parents, but the truth is we just said, then they will not know God like we know God because it's those things that make you who you are in God. And they are God's children, not just our children. And if God has decided to allow them to go through some things, we have to remember that he loves them more than we love them. And all things are working together for the good to them. Come on and give God a praise on Mother's Day if you believe you can put your children on the altar and trust God. It is the ultimate act of faith. We know if you're new to faith, you don't know the rest of that story. I don't want you to think that Abraham actually did kill his son in the name of God. He laid him on the altar. He raised a knife and an angel said, stay your hand. And a voice from heaven said, now I know that I can trust you. The ultimate test is when we can take our children and put them on the altar and say, I don't know how, but there's some things I do know. I know that he's able to keep what I have committed unto him. I, It may take me waiting until I'm on my deathbed, but God will do what he promised. He will do what he promised he would do. Somebody praise the Lord and I'll, I'll finish. I'm almost done. One last scene. One last scene. Go with me to an old dark temple in Israel. There behind the pillow in the temple is a barren woman. What a powerful story we heard this morning about a mother and a father singing on the stage, singing through their tears, singing through barrenness, singing through miscarriage after miscarriage, singing through doctors saying you'll never have a baby. Singing, singing, singing. Barren. But with God, all things are possible. Ooh, I feel the Lord in this place somebody might get a miracle in this room this morning behind an old marble pillar in the temple i could see hannah weeping crying weeping crying give me a child or let me die give me a child god i'm begging you me and my husband are barren we cannot we have not but i want a son give me a son she said And I'll lend him back to you all the days of his life. So desperate was her prayer that Eli, the high priest, came out and he was furious and slapped her in the face and said, How dare you desecrate this holy temple by coming in here drunk because she was moaning and groaning like someone out of control, drunk. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm desperate. I want a child. Please, I want a child. And suddenly the spirit of prophecy comes on this old prophet. And he says, thus says the Lord, you shall have a male child. And about this time, one year from now, you bring him back to this temple. Sure enough. She went home and they got busy. Cause it does take two to tango. There ain't going to be no virgin births in this time and day. I want you to see it now. She said, I'm not drunk. I want a child. I'm childless. And suddenly the spirit of prophecy comes on that old priest. He says, it'll happen. Thus says the Lord. Now go with me four years later because the Bible said he told her to nurse and, and, uh, <clears throat> and prepare the child until the historians say around the age of four was when Hannah brought Samuel back to the temple. And you see that morning as she gets up and the little buddies asleep in the bed, little Sammy. Sammy, get up, darling. Get up, sweetie. The bags are packed. We got to go. I'm sleepy, mommy. I'm sleepy. Come on, baby. We got to go. Where are we going? I'll tell you when we get there. And she gets the little boy in the wagon and they go toward the temple. They go past the places that he thinks they're going and they come up to the temple. Come on, baby, we're late, hurry. And she grabs him by the hand and grabs the bag with all of his little belongings of a four-year-old. His little shoes, his little sandals, his little clothes, his little outfits. This actually happened. Read your Bible. They walk up the steps. His eyes are bright. Four years old. Mommy, what is this place? Don't worry about it, baby. She grabs him by the hand. Come on, we've got to hurry up the temple steps. We think of the temple as being a gorgeous, beautiful place, and it was, but it was also dimly lit. No, Once you came in from the outside, the only lighting in the temple was a few candles. It was dark. It was kind of a scary place, especially for children, especially for 4, four year old I could see him as he would clench her hand the further they went into the temple, and she tells someone, tell Eli, I'm here. It's me, Hannah, and I brought Samuel. And Eli, the high priest, is sent for. And while they're waiting there in the in the in the in the temple in the outer court, now in the inner court, I could see the people rushing by. I think of this for a four-year-old with basins of blood on the floor of the temple. Were feathers and animal skins, and and the Bible said that the temple would have uh, flesh hooks that the sacrifice would be hooked on. Beautiful pictures of Calvary the flesh hook of Calvary Bible talks about the flesh hooks. They would take those lambs and put them on massive hooks. Like you'd see in a, in a freezer in a butchery and they would hang them and then offer them on the fires of sacrifice. And here's this kid and he's seeing basins of blood. He's seen the clothes of the high priest, all bloody. He's seeing dead animal skins and he's kind of traumatized. And then down the hall comes a man, huge figure of a man, the silhouette, and he's in full garb, the 12 stones of the breastplate, the miter on his head. It's he's, The Bible tells us physically, Eli was a large man, a massive man, a big man, and he's walking down all of that scary looking place and situation. And, And she drops to her knees as he comes and stands there and doesn't say a word. She takes little Sammy by the face. She says, baby, you go with him now. He's going to give you a tour of the whole place and I'll see you again soon. No, mommy. No, 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 no. I don't want to go, mommy. I want to stay here with you. I don't like this place and I don't like that man. I'm not going with him. She picks little Sammy up and she puts him in Eli's hands and he turns around and he starts walking and that kid goes berserk and he's reaching over the shoulder, screaming with his hands, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I could almost hear as Eli turns the corner. She's thinking, I wish I would have said, if you give me a son, I'll lend him to you for a year or five years. Why did I have to say I'll lend him to you all the days of my life. As Eli turns the corner with Samuel screaming in his hands, he says, Mama, go home and let this child do the will of God. This man is going to show you the temple. This man, things of God, this man will become your mentor and you will become the most powerful prophet in the nation of Israel's history. It will be you, Samuel, who will establish the kingdom of Of Israel, it will be you that will cause David to come to his throne. It will be you that will bring ultimately to the world through the system that God has established, the Messiah, the Savior. And it all depends on you, mama. Go home and let the will of God be done in your child's life. She would come one time a year. The Bible says, very tender verse. And she would hand make him a coat. And as he grew every year, she handmade him a garment. And she would come back once a year and throw her arms around him and hug him and say, I'm so proud of you. And release him again and again and again and again. What are you saying, Preacher. She sent him forward. She sent him home to do the will of God. There comes times when God will say to you, say to your flesh, mama, go home. Say to that addiction, mama, go home and let me do the will of God. Say to that ungodly relationship, mama, go home and let me do the will of God. Say to that situation that you know is not spirit, it's flesh born. It's the flesh. They that live after the flesh will die. But they that live after the spirit will have life and life more abundantly. And Sometimes God will call on us to say, bring your children like Hannah. Bring your children like Mary. Bring your children like Sarah. And lay them on the altar and say, God, you know... I hope they have success. I hope they have money on top of money. I hope they live in a big house and have a nice car. That would be great. But more than that, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Mama, go home and let the will of God be done in my children, in my grandchildren's life. Because that's all that's going to matter. So lift your hands all over this room and just say, Lord... I say to my flesh that wars against my spirit. Mama, go home and let me do the will of God. Your, your flesh may want to do one thing. Your flesh may want to be with somebody else. Your flesh may be saying one thing to you and your spirit and the word saying another. And you have to say, Mama, flesh, go home and let me do the will of God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at FreeChapelOC.